Um, okay, so violet for me is the place of integration. You could either see it institutionally as the temple or the governing structures, like how do you organize all of it? Um, we talk about the black hole, um, spelling that more as wholeness um, to connote that there's something very systemic in energy. Um, but not just that, there's something very systemic in the world we live in. So a lot of people are probably interested in what is a whole systems theory, especially where the spiritual process is having to kind of ground itself um, in everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we share. Um, how are there these patterns that come up that might find application in the things that we decide to commit and commit to? So whether you choose to work with um, students, uh, whether you want to work in healing, um, or it could be something as seemingly worldly or mundane as like economics, media, um, family systems, and so on and so forth. Somehow everything's connected. So it's only a matter of time before you find some space to look at the field and start to get interested in connections, you know? Um, so this is maybe the most interesting aspect of the inner dance. And in my own realms, um, this is very deep. In a way, this is like what is prior to inner dance. Like the one question I ask people to um, hold when they come to meet um, my own inner dance process anyways, like what is going on inside your mind, Pai, before you um, brought this to the world in the different phases, you know, the different structures, the different states of consciousness before even there was the name inner dance, like what is happening in your mind before a lot of these just exploded? Um, so there were a lot of patterns. There were a lot of psychological waves as well. Um, a lot of which were interesting. It was like I was seeing the world as some kind of map and I kind of trusted it. So my priorities weren't really to awaken some sort of secret, weird movement in people's bodies. There weren't really these workshops. It was all about consciousness. It's all about consciousness. It's all about the pilgrimage to what is truth, you know, what, what is also like holding it all up. What are the foundational aspects of society or the universe um, that's worth paying attention to? What is the blueprint of the earth? Um, and in many ways, I guess this is really what inner dance kind of brings to people. Symbolically, like my 
having have left the world for many years, creating space. And it really happened to me as soon as I left the world, when I started to just walk around. It's like my mind just got freed up. And I empathize with people who are devoting themselves to spiritual traditions right now. I really can feel them. I have so much empathy, understanding how busy the world is now. Um, it, there's a kind of messiness of having to do all this while you have to worry about relationships and money processes and you have to watch the news and see what's going on. Um, it's really amazing to be able to find the space in such a world today to um, become idle, to also not have to deal with obligations. Um, so what inner dance for me brings about is when the mind does get freed up, um, these patterns start to happen. And um, you can tell like people who are in genuine spiritual pilgrimage, um, th there's like a quality or a tonality in their voice and in their questions. Um, it's not really just psychedelic, but you, you can tell that they're starting to break things down. And to break things down isn't so much a breakage. You know, it's not just to destroy, but it's actually to um, dissect the many parts. It's like they're starting to see how everything fits together. Like everything is just a gigantic life puzzle. And they're trying out like different ways to make things fit. Um, so with experience, for those who are spending time with energy, either in experience or either in facilitation process, um, we're sitting with this quite a bit. It's like you're getting exposed to all of these parts, especially if your exposure is very global or international. Um, you can dialogue about this as much as you want to, but in the energy fields, you know, like the experiencing the world as energy, it gets really all the more interesting. It seems so random in so many ways, but the more you sit with it, um, you really do start to understand that there are patterns involved. Um, and I guess in the spiritual journey, a lot of this begins as coincidence, synchronicities, um, there are minds who are a lot more science-minded and mathematical than others. Um, so they're kind of used to this, but there's a different quality in those who are gently easing into their own schizophrenias, their own psychoses, a lot of which have spiritual value. You know, what happens when you undergo these synaptic connections, these neural connections in your brain, um, the weirder sometimes, the better, um, because you're making unlikely linkages that kind of break logic systems, because everything is kind of connected. Um, the interesting phenomenon is when the inner world and the outer world start to meet up in a way that doesn't seem possible, even like the coincidences get so intense and extreme 
like God or the universe itself. Uh, I keep having to balance that out, goddess. I have to say every time I say God. Um, the spirit thing starts to speak to you through signs and symbols, um, guiding the way, giving enough affirmations to let you know that um, it's there and you're on the right track. So when um, these coincidences just ramp up in a way that doesn't seem just random anymore, um, you realize more and more like, wow, this is, this is really the world. It's, it's energetic in many ways. And somehow everything that I think and feel and speak and create and sustain uh, inside me, um, it matches up. There's a resonance like outside. So I've been sharing some strange notions of this on the Life on A website about how my own universe kind of collapsed. And um, I really did not feel like the stars up above us um, were separate from our molecules. Like I really felt like whenever I looked up, I was being reminded that this, these are my cells. These are my atoms, my quarks. And uh, I didn't see a difference between outer space and inner space. Um, it's very confusing in a way, but I guess when you're alone, um, that's really the only truth. Um, so these need to get bound up somehow. Um, there are a lot of people who want to understand how do I ground this um, even as I deconstruct myself and then I find constructive ways to come back to the world as a whole person, um, how do I reconstruct a society that, you know, you, you can only really undergo a personal transformation or a personal healing so much. If you're alone, if you're a hermit, that's fine. It, it's cool. But you realize that it becomes important to understand the healing of a society. Like a society must transform with you because they're hipped together it, it's um you, you have the sensitivity that everywhere you go you can feel the patterns you can feel the pain you can feel the untapped potencies um in in the outwardness of the world it also means that if it's happening outside it's also inside and so you bear some sort of responsibility um so in my spiritual pilgrimage, um, I realized that the stories are really important. The details are important. And um, they're also not important. They're temporal, they're fleeting, they're random. Yet they're really valuable when they're coming up at that exact moment when you see that number again or you see that symbol again it seems like it's speaking to me. <laughs> and one insight is that there's only really one conversation. And so even if you change um, audiences, you, you're now you're talking to your mom or now you're talking to the stranger, it's all, it, there's like this continuity of thought that it's all just one conversation and it just keeps building up. 
So somehow your sensitivity goes to the point where the wind, you know, the nature itself, the thunder, it's all speaking to you. And um, so much of the world is trying to speak to us um, on a base level that it's not, it's not connected. You know, if, if it connects to that point, you're supposed to take certain psychiatric interventions or you need to slow down because you, you can't trust that kind of world. Um, but intuitively you do. Um, so on, on my own um, journey, uh, it, it was like that. It was just too fantastic that a single day would host like a hundred synchronicities or, or 10 major coincidences where like, I, I just couldn't believe it. It's like, this is just too much. Um, just uh, you look at road signs, you look at uh, th patterns in the earth it, and something this person mentions. Uh, it, it, it was all talking about the same thing. So by the time my inner dance came about, um, and then when I started to share this with the world, this whole system was becoming more and more elaborate like in a way. And you almost have to expose yourself to different institutions. You know, at one point, you know, you're spending time with the priests and then you're spending time with the politicians, the, the husbands, the housewives, the kids, the cancer patients, you're spending time with the economists. Um, your mind just starts to get interested in all these connections. And you kind of do have to be careful about that because um, uh, they're all bound to be connected. And especially in a mathematical level, when you start to see some sort of code, um, it, it gets kind of crazy where you can do all these computations and it's really like entering a black hole, that um, rabbit hole Alice in, Alice in Wonderland kind of falls into where it's bottomless, you know? You can't really get to a central point where uh, everything can be explainable by just one sort of equation. Um, so energy seems to maybe help us somehow that when people lay down in the inner dance process, they see colors and then they start to also speak messages at the same time. And then they go through stages where they see numbers. They go through stages where it's all about like the visuals. Um, it's like their brain starts to get redeveloped in a way that these patterns are... Um, wiring something much, much deeper than what you're actually seeing or thinking and feeling and touching upon. Um, so the, the conversations that help to host this are really, really important. Like in a way, you do want to be exposed to a certain community where a languaging is able to help your own mind grow into a whole system's whether it be a whole system's thinking or whole system's feeling, a whole system's creating, it, it doesn't matter if you do choose just the one point to get obsessed about or, or be passionate about, you know, like what do you want to commit to? Do you want to go into um, like the gentle birth movement? Do you want to understand sacred economics? Do you want to go into an understanding of uh, transformation medicine? 
what is you know like a new psychology what is the new education system um, maybe there are people who are more interested in how does it all tie up together which can be like a crazy ambition in a way um, but I guess in some ways we're also bound to end up in that field where you will contribute to um, the betterment, not just of the person, but the society that encases the person. Uh, maybe there's a language inside you waiting to emerge that would be able to speak to everything from like a CEO or, you know, like a mother or like a baby where um, it's like a universal language somehow. So I, I would not pretend that I have that language. Uh, I would say though that somewhere in the energy process that we commit to, that language is there. And when you learn to create the conditions where that language could um, go into the gentle process of emerging, um, it shouldn't be impossible. Uh, it should be in fact the ideal. So we learn to trust this more and more and more. Um, when I first came upon sacred geometry, it was in a shopping mall in a city in Mindanao. I was already in my spiritual pilgrimage where I was walking around this really large island, um, just living day by day, not knowing what is gonna happen. So I felt called to go to this building and on the top floor, uh, there was this bookstore. You know, I didn't really have money at that time. So I, I, I was there and I touched upon this book. Uh, a lot of you have probably seen it. It's called um, The Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life or something by John Veloma Pisidek. And on the cover is The Flower of Life. I'm pretty sure you know what that is. Well, the moment I picked it up, there was this gigantic earthquake that happened. Um, the earth was shaking, people were running around <laughs> uh, around me. They were screaming like, oh my God, like it's an earthquake. Um, but in my spiritual mind, it's like, okay, this is connected. So I stood still and I was looking at this book and I meditated upon it. Okay, I can't afford this book. Uh, I wanna read it. <laughs> so, um, on that spiritual journey, I already met some people, like this guy Kublai, an artist in Mindanao. Um, he, his ex-partner, Jenny, was very resonant with my spiritual process. So um, she said, oh, okay, like I'll buy you that book when I told her about this. So I, I held it and um, I, I got interested uh, in this, just like a lot of people have been interested in this probably for quite a while. Um, geometry has to do with the shapes and numbers. So for a long time, um, I just learned to draw it. It is my meditation. I was drawing the, the seven um, circles of the seed of life and then the 12 circles around it. Um, and I, I was just walking, you know, I just kept walking and walking until I ended up in the beach where I lived alone. And um, when you're alone and you don't really have pen and paper, uh, the patterns are still there. So I would draw this seed of life and flower like pattern in the sand. I would draw it in a piece of wood using like a, a 
sharp object um, because I felt it was important. It linked up a lot of my spiritual inquiry, inquiry as to how does everything connect. And as some of you know, like my birthday is um, already holding this blueprint, you know, like I'm born in 7776, July 7, 1976. Um, even as a young child, I wanted to understand <clears throat> the relationship between sound and image, the, you know, the seven colors of the rainbow and the seven notes in the musical scale. Um, I don't know if you watched this movie, it's called Contact. Um, it was originally a book by Carl Sagan. Um, I don't want to complicate the story, but um, it had something to do with the aliens <laughs> downloading this code from the stars and they had to create this machine. Um, they had to create this machine and they didn't really know what to do, but they were mystified by it. Like what is this, this code, this blueprint? And so they created this machine and um, all it did was it actually allowed the, the person who went into this wormhole to go through time and space. So when I was alone on the beach, um, to kind of bring all this together, um, I didn't really know what I was supposed to do as this kind of weird, strange, spiritual hermit who had run away from the world. But, um, I knew I was there for a reason, but I needed something to do with my idle time. You know, my, my mind was really disintegrated. It was discombobulated. You, you just have to maybe imagine what was going on inside me. Like I was feeling uh, all the, these belief structures in my mind just collapsing as I saw a new earth or like a new world starting to reconstruct itself. Um, so I ended up drawing this pattern, like the same pattern that I kept drawing on paper it was only a matter of time before I'd make this pattern on the earth. Like the instructions were like, um, everything inside you needs to then become a mirror outside you. And since you created this space anyway, where you're not pressured by having to deal with reality right now, and you could focus on the inner and outer going into a meeting point, you know, you're not obligated by the world. You don't have to worry about money or, food or um, having to please people. Um, it, it, the, the garden of life was only a matter of time and space before it would come up. So um, all of my waking moments started to get obsessed by this, you know? It's like, it's weird because why do you have to do it? Like, you don't really have to do it, but um, I, I was exercising through it. I would carry these really, really large rocks after making the circle in the ground. I was so passionate about making it in the most perfect way possible. Um, on the beach, a lot of junk actually gets washed up from the, even different countries. You know, you, you, you're, you're walking around on the beach and suddenly this shampoo bottle washes up and you look at the shampoo and it says, it comes from Indonesia or it comes from Vietnam. So I, I needed to have something to do with the trash. So not only was I finding natural objects to decompose or to use as construction material for this machine uh, that I would inscribe into the, the island, 
I was also using these plastic material to create art. Um, so I felt like I was like reconstructing the world. It, it was very, very strange. I, I felt like I was given this code by the universe and sacred geometry was just so much more than just uh, what a lot of people were seeing it as. It wasn't just like a spiritual symbol for me. It was like, uh, this is supposed to reconstruct the entire world somehow, like some kind of plan, <laughs> it's like a plan. I had to follow the plan. Um, so in my mind, I was seeing connections between the seven continents, you know, like the, the balance between acid and um, alkalinus, the pH seven. Uh, I was seeing like colors, like, the, like music, like parts of the body somehow, the, the chakra systems, but also body parts. Um, it's very hard to kind of go back to it, but um, there was something there, you know, like the seven days of the week, um, all these codes. It's so, so interesting. Um, so here, here I had this garden with all these seven. It, it's everything was seven. It's like in, in a, every single color inside this garden in my beach, in, in my beach garden, there were like seven things inside the col col each color like a fractal you know like every time i looked at like a color either on this figure on the ground or inside my own mind i could see like seven things inside each part of the seven so that no matter how small or big it got it just was following like the same thing somehow so by the time i left the island after my pilgrimage and i went back to the world when it's practicing healing and i was hearing people say these words like oh I, I was seeing red i was seeing blue i was seeing indigo um, i kind of was prepared to understand that they weren't really just talking about colors or they weren't just talking about chakra systems um but but it it, it was kind of so much more you know it it, it was this design process it, it was this whole systems theory. Um, so I've taken this as far as I, I could, um, having have under like, having have brought inner dance to many different institutions in the world. Um, I've worked with like economists, I've worked a lot with doctors, with educators, I've worked a lot with people in uh, disaster rehabilitation. Um, processes. I've worked a lot with whole systems theorists. Um, the mandala is kind of there, like in a way. Uh, it almost feels like the natural world needs to um, concomit with the internal world because there is a split in many ways. There is a split between the mind and the body. Um, like in linguistics, for example, for those who have studied linguistics, um, there are many stages in the human study of language where um, humans don't really believe that there is a connection between the sign and nature. You know, like when you talk about words, for example, if you talk about tree, uh, in, in Filipino, the tree is puno, 
uh, in Latin, the tree is arbor. In um, English, the tree is tree. Uh, words seem like random, arbitrary and differential so that if you go to China, it's going to be like a different word. If, it's, if you go to, to Greece, it's going to be a different word. If you go to Japan, it's going to be a different word. Or if you say the word tree in Australia, as compared to, to exactly T-R-E-E -E in, in, in America or in Britain, they still pronounce it differently. You know, the, the sound still sounds different. So um, in many ways, um, in, in the course in general linguistics of Ferdinando Saussure, that's I think where it began, where people uh, saw structures of consciousness within language and they determined that uh, the sign isn't actually linked to the natural world. Well, for the spiritual mind, this is not intuitively correct. Um, somehow everything is connected so that uh, the form and the content, they're, they're linked. Um, the vessel and the substance within the container, they're linked. Like, how can they not be linked? So people who are interested in whole systems, they will um have these realizations probably that uh there's probably some kind of god code there's probably some universal code out there and uh, a lot of spiritual people who have scientific backgrounds they do realize this and they do write um their own take on it you know um let me give you one example it's like when I was experiencing a lot of this um, decoding after I um, saw the, this book, this flower life book, I ended up in this um, island in Mindanao called Kamigin. Okay, it's a really interesting island. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it got formed recently by seven volcanoes. Um, so I was there and I was doing a lot of these study processes. Like I wanted to understand like, what's, what, who are we? Like, what are we? I wanted to know, I was so passionate. And I was also undergoing these really spiritual experiences. Like I was losing my mind. I didn't need psychedelic drugs in order to go into these really deep states. Like I was going trancey and everyone. And a lot of people were worried around, uh, around me. But at the same time, all I was seeing was patterns in these conversations I was having. Um, so I was drawing these seven circles within the seat of life. And then I realized that, oh, okay, wait a minute. Um, if the chakra systems are like the, the vortices of the body, I was right here in this island where there are these seven volcanoes. Um, and the, the chakra systems are like the volcanoes of the body. So I just kept going into this inquiry. And then, um, this person I was talking to was the volcanologist who was in charge of monitoring the volcanoes there uh, because that's kind of important, you know, because uh, eruptions can happen. And, and I was talking to this woman and she said, you know, Pai, um, we discovered that there's actually not seven volcanoes, but there are 12 volcanoes like here in this island. And I was like shocked because in my own mind, I was saying, there's probably like 12 or 13 chakra systems beyond just the seven based on the computations that I was doing in my notebook. Um, 
but at the same time there are these other teachers who have always talked about there's actually like 12 chakras and so on and so forth so um, if you do realize that there are 12 months of the year and then there's like seven week seven days of the week when you look at the flower of life if you're familiar with that there's like seven circles within the seed in the middle and then there's 12 uh, circles um, on the outer ring so when people look at sacred geometry they think about it more as a spiritual symbol but it's actually like a, a time machine in a way that the months and the the weeks somehow are coordinating the movements of the sun and the moon and the cosmic bodies in a way that's um, structuring our consciousness altogether. Um, so beyond that, like um, I, I, I was looking at this number 64 because I was doing these long walks around this island and there was like a 64 circumferential highway, you know, like there's 64 kilometers that you can walk around and that's really what I was doing then. I was walking, walking, walking. Um, and then I picked up this book and it was talking about uh, how there are these 64 codons in the human DNA. And um, as I was also playing chess with myself at that time, you know, there's like 64 squares in the chessboard. Um, well, there are also these six, the 64 hexagrams in the I Ching. So when I just went to that one inquiry alone, just like one day of doing it, it just kept going deeper where it just started to see the number 64 everywhere. Um, it, 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 it's the same way that any, any number that you look at, you start to see all these patterns out there. And a lot of people would tell you maybe, maybe you're just maybe going crazy and maybe you're just, um, uh making linkages where everything everything's probably linked but you some of you probably know what i'm talking about that you have these favored patterns that aren't really coming from you but where it's speaking to you from somewhere outside and it gets irritating because it's quite insistent to a point where hey 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 you know look at this you know this is important uh, and numbers are kind of crazy that way because you can't really bring the qualitative into it. You know, it bears little psychological value. So you can't really interrelate it with your belief structures. So I think this is where uh, Holosense theory is kind of interesting that's emanating from the energetic so that if we're not really just seeing colors and we're not just hearing the vibrations and the tonalities in the musical scale, um, a lot of what's been drawn out in the human cultural uh, that's really intensely, uh, seemingly random, you know, like your thoughts are amazing, your, your, your belief structures are amazing, but is there actually like a pattern in that? Um, in the realms of psychology and philosophy, there are people who go into trying to understand dimensions. So for example, when you look at psychology, the most famous and most used probably would be Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, Abraham Maslow originally had five. That's what's talked about in college anyway, where there's um, the physiological security, 
uh, love and belongingness, self-esteem, or actualization. These are the levels of the human sets of motivations or needs. Eventually, I think he ended up with eight. Um, they, they, these are like whole systems models where when you map out the, the person, if you're not just looking at skin and bones, you know, like a, uh, if you're not just looking at matter, would there be colors there as well? Would there be dimensionalities, uh, like in a way? So I'm very sure that in your own mind, you, you're probably interested in this um, kind of coding. Like, like you're probably, you, you probably explored this in one way or another. Um, And I've tried to introduce this a little bit in um, what I've written up for this week. I, I don't really feel like I can, go, I can go deep into it, but I do want to give some general context to help you map out your own explorations of where this could go. Now, um, probably the most useful institutions in the world where whole systems could uh, make sense is probably the school and the hospital. Like, like when I first came out of the island, I kept getting this inclination in my mind, okay, you need to teach teachers how to heal, <laughs> okay? And you need to uh, teach doctors how to teach, or you need to bring healers into uh, the, the realms of teaching like they were holding two polarities somehow. Uh, because I've worked with a lot of doctors. Um, I, I came into a close partnership, especially with a Filipino doctor who's very well known. His name is Dr. Paredes. I co-wrote a book with him. Uh, he's leading the way. Um, he's touched like tens of thousands of lives. He's He's got a large audience and he came to me at one point saying, you know, I want to learn about this inner dance because the system in inner dance seems to be like space age compared to what these medical practitioners are conducting. So we went into partnership and um, he has these medical institutions in Cebu along with uh, other partners he works with around the Philippines. So he gave me like um, a chance to help him redesign the medical system. So I, I spent a lot of time with them looking at medical protocols and I constructed like a 12 stage system with them. It didn't really um, come into a closure because of the typhoon that happened in 2013 where we had to halt the work. But it gave me an office and I would fly in and out between Palawan and Cebu. So I'd spend a lot of time with cancer patients and uh, a lot of people with different disabilities, different um, medical disorders, but mostly I, I wanted to spend time with cancer patients. And um, what I was doing is I was bringing in this mandala map, you know, I'd be I'd sit down with them and then I'd have like a, a piece of paper in front of me and then I just tell them, okay, talk to me, <laughs> what's up? And as I was listening to them, like talk about their lives, you know, the, the emotions, the judgments, their, their pain, um, my, my, my hand would naturally start to draw out these patterns where um, it was always about the number seven, you know, 
uh, it was almost like judgment had seven colors and emotions had seven colors, motivations had seven colors. Um, and I think the chakra system is really beautiful in the way it guides us that there are physical systems, especially bridged by the endocrine pathways, so that these energies having to do with voice or expression, mind, power, uh, emotions, body, uh, love, uh, integration, so on and so forth. Uh, to make it simple, it's like I am, I see, I speak, I feel, I, 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 I do, I, I create, or I, I have. Um, that's maybe the more simple way of looking at it. Um, when I would listen to these people, it seemed like they were all talking about the same thing. And it didn't matter if, let's say, I was in Singapore as well, where I was doing a lot of work, or Malaysia, with a, a lot of these Asians or these um, Westerners as, as well. When I would listen to them after the inner dance, especially with the one-on-ones that I would do, I'd listen to these their stories, but it didn't matter how personal it got. All I saw was the code. It's either they're saying, oh, I can't do it, or I, I'm poor, I don't have it. I can't, I'm stagnant, I'm not creative, you know, I can't speak my truth, I, I'm confused, I don't understand. Within the chakra system, it actually seems really, really, really simple. It's either I can't, I, 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 I don't have, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not, <laughs> or uh, when they're undergoing the spiritual awakening, it's the opposite, it's, I have. I, I'm enabled, I'm, I'm powerful, I, I, I can speak, I, I know, I understand, I see. <laughs> it, it seems really, really simple in that regard. Um, I think in psychology, um, where this would correlate would be transactional analysis. In transpersonal psychology, there are these psychological injunctions or psychological drivers the statements that we heard from our parents and from the adults around us that uh, were either in the negative or saying don't you know it's either don't exist don't be you don't be a child don't grow up don't succeed don't be close to me don't feel this don't think that don't trust don't be okay don't belong don't be important um the drivers would be more of the opposite. It would be the, the motivational, uh, over-motivational statements like you have to be perfect, you have to try harder, you have to work hard, you have to be strong, you have to hurry up, you have to please others, and so on and so forth. Um, it, it seems like this can go complex because um, the injunctions are many, the drivers are many. Um, but when you do look at the system of colors, it, it doesn't really seem that complex. It feels like these are written out, geometrically speaking, um, in a way that they kind of correlate. Um, and, and that's what I like about the chakras. But I will tell you not to get attached to it uh, in a spiritual Asian traditional way. Because even though a lot of people believe that it's essentially a Hindu or even neo-Buddhist tradition, the chakra systems that people understand now is actually neo-Western in a way that the number seven was only popularized when they brought yoga 
and spiritual Indian tradition to the West. It was um, Ledbetter, a theosophist who gave us the, the key of seven uh, in a way that uh, a lot of tantric Buddhism, a lot of the Hindus, they didn't really just see the number seven. They, they, had, they saw a lot more, you know? Their systems were the number 13, 21, 100 or 1,000. They, they didn't really believe that we were limited or encased by the number seven. So um, this might be shocking to some people. So you might want to do some research, just even start with Wikipedia in that regard. Um, the, the chakra system is contestably something arbitrary and differential as well. It's not something we would uh, rely on as an ancient code which kind of frees us up in a way that we're also co-designing this somehow, that uh, the, 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 the dimensionality of the red or orange or yellow isn't something you will draw out necessarily from a pre-written format. You know, you can't rely on just ancient traditions to have written this out uh, prior to the now. In a way, it's really up to you because the color red doesn't mean the same uh, in different cultures, or, or the blue or the color yellow. And as we arrive at the universality of spirit, um, we're probably linking up with each other in a way that um, somehow each of these might um, go static, get fluid, um, fractally maybe in a way that um, each color is still going to be like, just a universe of colors and what's confusing is that there are people who are se sensing other colors beyond just what's rainbow that they can't name and I, we can go into that but it's a different conversation altogether how we're going beyond the infrared and the ultraviolet as we redesign the eyes there will be a new mandala uh, at work and how I see that is probably the flower of life sees the outer petals becoming the new seed in a way that there's like a Fibonacci jump. If you know the Fibonacci series, there's like a, uh, maybe Kitty can talk about this later. I'm not really a, a physics or numbers person. Um, for now, I think all I have, uh, all I'm being asked is to give some context as to um, this code coding, which I feel most of us are being asked to conduct. Um, sorry for digressing. I think I need to go back to a point that I was speaking about. I started with working with a doctor and um, using the mandala as a way to map out cancer, that cancer isn't just cancer that when you think of specific cancers, they normally map out somehow, like um, pancreatic cancer, for example, is very yellow or uh, breast cancer or, or ovarian cancer would be like orange. Uh, if you look at the endocrine system, this would normally be the bridge to the organs and, uh, and the chakra systems. They, they directly correlate that when you have a sensitivity with the blue, then you're talking about the thyroid. You have a sensitivity with the heart, then it's the thymus. 
So the thymus gland, for example, is the endocrine system for the heart, just like uh, the thyroid is the endocrine system for the throat. Uh, like the adrenaline gland is the endocrine system for the digestive organs. Um, they, they all seem to um, be able to correlate the physical material being to the energetic and psychological structure of the being. So that if you find yourself working in hospital systems, um, there is this big, big question, like, um, how can I treat my cancer if it wasn't just going to be uh, chemotherapy? <laughs> Understanding that uh, chemotherapy is actually carcinogenic. Like, um, why would you try to heal the body in a way that poisons it even more so? Understanding that the actual success rate of chemotherapy is only 3%. A lot of people are then more interested in deeper uh, underlying uh, healing pathways that would maybe correct it on a blueprint level, you know, because the body is made up of energy. Why would you treat it merely as a material thing? People in integrative medicine would then try to understand what are the psychological underpinnings of the material body. So, uh, I I wanted to correlate the school in the hospital. If you think of what the school symbolizes, it's almost like an initiation process. The school isn't just the school building or the curriculum. The school seems to be more symbolic as to, okay, you're like a blank slate. You're, 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 you're like a white page and you're about to be indoctrinated into the world. So you're, you're, you're fresh, you know? you're, 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 you're clear. So you take in the world, you take in all the patterns. The hospital is kind of the opposite. It, it's like, okay, it, I, I, I took it all in. Like I ate the world, you know, I devoured the world. I was so interested in the world, but now I'm, I'm so sick of the world. I'm sick of it. I, I want to puke the world. And now this, the world is now congealed as like cancer, diabetes, like hypertension, a brain tumor of some sort, like some sort of mass in my body. And I'm tempted to just go to the doctor and have him take a scalpel on the operating table, just, you know, carve it out. Uh, but people are experiencing energy. They know, no, this is, this is going to be so much more. So you, you want to interrelate like education and medicine, maybe in this regard. Um, if, the school is the indigo and the hospital is the red. Um, in one dimension, you're kind of saying goodbye, you know, you know, it's not just undergoing a death process, but more of a release. What is an energetic hospital where the school process is maybe where you're kind of saying hello. This is where it has a beautiful inversion where in the higher chakra, you think it's more or less like going to be the end in some ways, but this, if the school is more the initiation process, and if in the red, uh, if that's the hospital, this is where healing happens. Um, there's like an energy descent, an energy ascent, like a movement upwards and the movement downwards is happening in your body, happening in your mind, happening in your soul. Um, that's like a ritual. It, it, there's a, like a ritual involved. And 
not no object, no, no lesson is unworthy of your pilgrimage. It's like everything is connected and you need to take in all the inputs to become like a learner again. Like not only are you throwing stuff away, but you, as you develop this new brain state, as you expand your mind and go into whole systems, um, you, 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 you want to be able to take it all in and you sort of need a system that would get to manage all of it, however infinite, somehow you can take it all in because even as you're listening to any conversation, it's all talking about the same thing. Um, facilitators are kind of fatigued <laughs> in some ways. The, the ones who get active and they hold like big spaces to, to be practical about this. If you become a busy facilitator, maybe you're doing two sessions a day, three sessions a day. Maybe some are like um, one and one, some are like um, big dynamic group sessions. You're gonna have to listen to a lot of stories. You have to listen to a lot of stories and you're going to have to map it out somehow. And I guess this is why doctors need to protect themselves because um, doctors don't really language things very well. You know, they, they, they listen to problems and then they just give automatic prescriptions to whatever's diagnosed because they, they can't listen to these stories so much. Otherwise, they themselves would get sick. Um, you, you need to map yourself out in the beginning. And um, the colors are kind of interesting in this way. Like I had to psychoanalyze myself and I had to undergo my own healing. So for example, um, I ho was holding a lot of anger in my body. You know, I was an angry child, but was not allowed to express it because my dad was the angry one in my universe. And so I, I hated my dad in many ways. I actually went into my spiritual pilgrimage because of this anger that I had with my dad. Um, and in my meditation, when I was alone, I realized that I was actually understanding my dad so much more because, okay, my dad was super smart. He was super intelligent, he was super wise. And um, he wasn't really good with money, even though he came from a very wealthy family my mom came from a, a very poor family, but she was the one who did really well. You know, she she was like the, the, more of the father figure. She she was the one who made money. She had so many businesses. So I kind of resented my dad um, because when I got exposed to the world, it was very competitive. And, you know, I went to these expensive schools where people had these nice cars and I wanted a nice car. And my dad couldn't get me a nice car. <laughs> So my mom got me a car and I wanted a nicer car. So um, I hated it that my dad was idle. You know, he was just sitting there all the time. He wasn't working. It was like he was just meditating. He was just reading his books and he was just sitting there. An emotional disaster of a person who was also like very friendly, but in many ways because he was traumatizing me with his anger. <laughs> He was always angry around his kids. Um, I, I was angry at him for traumatizing me. I was angry at him for being idle. And um, I, I, I felt like I wanted to make him become like an ideal 
father in my mind, you know, not to not be angry, but also to be like some successful business person, just like all those other fathers out there. And it was only when I went into my process where I understood that actually he was being a really spiritual person who was using all this idle time to understand the universe in a way, to conduct all these pattern recognitions. Um, so that when I myself was living as a hermit, not having to do anything with money and, and people, and I was just meditating as to the nature of the world, I, I realized that I became my father. I became my dad. And um, I started to appreciate him so much. So let's say when I spend a lot of time with uh, people's psychologies, whether it be in the hospital or school or anything in between. When I look at the yellow chakra, for example, you know, like a lot of people have these trauma with doing, with work, you know, they're burnt out, like I'm working so hard, but I need to work. Uh, when I listen to their issues in the yellow, the yellow having to do with money, with power, with activity, you know, when people go spiritual, um, they're letting go of the doing process. It's like, it's not about the doing. It, it just gets done on its own. Somehow the universe supports you. You're just going to get help somehow. So somehow the less you do, the more you, you can do. <laughs> and, and you don't want to do it out of obligation anymore. So for me, the negative and the yellow, if the positive is like, I can do it. You know, you're, you're powerful as a person. You can do it. The yellow could be either I can't do it, I'm too weak, or it could also be like they're, they're forcing me to do it, like I'm obligated to do it. So the activating state would, would be more, like I have to do it. That would be like the driver, the psychological driver. You, you need to do it. You have to work hard. You need to get good grades. That's exactly what I was doing to my dad, which is exactly what my dad was doing to me when it was pushing me to become a better person in the most unhealthy ways possible. Um, now in the color wheel, the, the chakra system that would correlate with the, with the yellow would be basically indigo. So basically if you have a blockage with the yellow, it probably means that you have a problematic indigo in the same way that if you have problems with your red chakra which would be like grounding issues, you know, like with your body, health, stability. It probably means that you have problems with your heart with like um, feelings, love, sharing. Just like when you look at the, the orange and the blue, for example, um, if you have problems with your emotions, with your womb, with your creativity, uh, you probably have exp um, problems with your expression, with the way you speak your truth. Um, uh, we could go into this much deeper. There's so much amazing patterns in how the secondary and the primary color, uh, they, they, they're, they're related. Um, so to maybe just make this more complex, but more simple, if you block one domain you probably will block all the others so that if you say to yourself inside your body like um i'm, I'm poor you know like i'm i'm insufficient 
I don't have enough. <laughs> I'm poor. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough uh, resources. Then everything else would go into insufficiency. Like I don't have enough um, insight. You know, I'm poor in terms of wisdom. I don't have any ideas. I'm stuck with love. I don't have enough love. I don't have support. I'm, I'm stagnant. I don't have enough creativity. Um, what's amazing with the energy realms is when you unblock one thing, you, you kind of actually unblock the, the rest of your mandala, you know? The, the, suddenly you're supported by someone. Oh, okay, I actually have this. Um, oh, then I can speak my truth because I am able to trust my environment or um, then I'm able to love more because I have more space. And suddenly um, when I have the space, then I can see more clearly, you know, the fog is lifted and suddenly I'm enabled at the same time to uh, do what I want to do. Um, it, it's like there's this system involved somehow that just seems psychological randomness. It's like there's a system somehow where you don't need to just spiritualize all these. It's like the, the world has some sort of dynamic blueprint, some sort of eco-village from within um, that's coordinating um, the, like the cosmos or the molecule. Like you, you can think about this from the smallest to like the biggest and it can be any institution you can think about everything is somehow mapped out um, in the beginning a lot of people in the spiritual process won't see this though precisely because something like inner dance breaks down boundaries it breaks down the walls um, boundaries in psychology could be the boundaries of the mind there's also something called symbolic boundaries and personal boundaries. So people who have weak boundaries, they're actually kind of spiritual by default because um, they don't know the difference between what's inside and what's outside. They don't also know the difference between one concept and the other, where in a way by default, everything just connects um, in, a, in either an energetic, but sometimes like in a in an, in an unhealthy way. So there are many parts in the world where there's very, very little boundaries. And you go to the West, boundaries are quite, quite strong. So when crisis happens or when spiritual awakenings happen, boundaries kind of fall. So in the beginning, um, pattern recognition doesn't become visible. And it's normally many years after the spiritual awakening where um, patterns start to strengthen and come alive. And then people start to develop strong, strong boundaries around identity and uh, cultural norms and so on and so forth. So I, I feel like what, what people in spiritual communities or spiritual pilgrimages are doing right now is to uh, co-create or even from within find a constructive foundational way to um, reconstruct the world that they would trust. Something that's founded on uh, foundationalism itself. Like what, what can I trust that won't really just collapse upon me? And what's happening with 
random people as they're they're shopping around for many different interesting things you know like oh there's this new teacher in town there's this new guru there's this new tradition and sometimes you want to try out something that's really old something ancient <laughs> something that's been there for thousands of years or then something certifiably new something really well thought out by someone scientific minded or someone super trained um, but the more you kind of go shopping, the more you realize that um, you're interested in both old and new, inner and outer, you know, like structural or spiritual, scientific or weird. Um, and, and what people realize is inner dance actually kind of holds this. It, it's not me, pie, or, or just what I do. But there's something intrinsic in inner dance itself that really loves this inquiry, that, that holds this inquiry energetically, that it's really not just about the playlist or the music. It's really not just this wild shouting, screaming, crying thing that's happening around. But if you stick with this process long enough, you will find something highly intelligent that is very, very inclusive and very, very participatory, um, that doesn't negate any culture doesn't negate any grouping um, but in fact helps to create a narrativization or a storytelling process uh, that satisfies you whatever hat you wear um, you know so yeah i think i'm gonna stop now ish um, i'm just giving you maybe in a pinprick you know a pinpoint uh, a snippet uh, holographic part where this could go I, I'm going to admit to you that I don't know much about this still because it's so deep um, like when uh, Marie for example posted in um, IDS one like I want to bring this to corporations I want to bring this to institutions um, it, it's violet like this is where it goes um, you don't need to stay with the yoga mat in the hidden spiritual workshop but um, a lot of this is very very much translatable to the the academe the the you know like the hospital systems the the main thing we want to heal is there's a huge gap between what people are thinking what people are feeling and what people are doing in the academe, it's basically um, the discrepancy between philosophy, theory, and practice. That the things that we study and the things that we know don't really correlate with the things that we we experiment or institutionalize. Like, um, for example, like Wall Street brokers are not really um, using anything that they learn. Mostly, a lot of it is like gut instinct. A lot of amazing doctors don't really use what they learn in medical school. A lot of them are using more of um, stuff that they're picking up on how to language things really well or how to empathize. Uh, <laughs> medical systems don't really teach empathy like in many ways. Um, so uh, spiritual minds that learn to uh, develop their own scientific um, process will contribute in a way that um, will help to bind philosophy theory and practice philosophy doesn't just mean 
the Western philosophies that you would read up about in school. Um, philosophy is love for wisdom, uh, as we defined it from the etymology of philo and sophie, in, in, you know, meaning uh, love and wisdom uh, uh, combining. Uh, mind and love, heart. <laughs> love is heart. Mind is uh, wisdom. Like, like both seem to be important. Uh, and so if you wanted to really help the world, it, it's about creating that bridge. And uh, I'm, I'm gifting you with this, that you, 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 you can go shop as much as you want into as many traditions as might be interesting for you. But um, I, I do believe that a lot of us or a lot of the world is looking for, well, what is the center point? What is the core? And, and so when I do bring you the key of seven, um, it's healing this thing in the course in, gen in general linguistics. It said that the sign is not linked to the natural world. Like um, the symbols, the words that we speak has no bearing in nature. It, it's not true. It, it's not true. That when you feel the energy so resonant, um, it's because there's a linkage between what you hear and what you see you speak and how you move your body you're, you're it's like you're weaving it together making what is old new again yet understanding that what is new is coming from something really really old um yeah okay so um hi this is nadia yeah i thought i'd hear from you based on what you wrote let's <laughs> Well, um, your your whole story about, you know, coincidences and everything becoming one big uh, conversation. I recognize that so, so much. Um, and, and I love when it happens. It's, 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 it's really amazing. But sometimes it is also, I can get a little bit confused. Because it's one thing to receive the signs or coincidences or messages or meetings and, and all of that, but it's something else to interpret it. Mm. Um, mm. And um, it's like the heart knows something is happening, but then the mind can't, it's like gibberish to the mind. Mm. Like, what does it tell me? And then I was just thought it was interesting to just, you know, bring it up because sometimes it's good to hear that the people uh, sometimes have that too, or we experience uh, that. And, and it also makes me um, it, wonder, you know, this, this script that is written where everything, every little minor detail is not a detail at all, or it's just so important or mm. orchestrated uh, perfectly for us. Mm. Um, kind of makes, makes us sound or makes me sound a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, I just wanted to thank you for, for bringing it up. It's, um, it's, it's a wonderful thing when it happens, but it can also be a bit confusing to the mind. Mm. And uh, I was wondering how others deal with that. Yeah, it's good to ask everyone as well about this. Okay, thank you. Um, I think everything I spoke about uh, just now uh, addresses this, but it's good to ground it because there is maybe a stage in the process where it really gets overwhelming. Um, in the inner dance, um, there could be like a stage where it gets really emotional. Um, like a flood of emotions, which is bound to happen because you're you're creating this flood of neurotransmitters. It will then create a flood of emotions, and uh, it could be like anger, and you know. Um, but what where Nadia is coming from is like a flood of information. It's like a flood of ideas, a flood of um, data, and they all seem to they, they somehow interconnect, like somehow, and you kind of go crazy with that. So um, pattern recognition happens inside people who have experienced quite a bit. And it doesn't just have to be from energy. Like people who are well-traveled, um, sometimes a pattern recognition arises where they start to know more because they've seen more. So um, we hear this word a lot more and more nowadays. It's like the word meta. Meta means to go beyond but it also means to, to go above. So um, like the, the word map is interesting, for example, like what is the map of the mind? What is the map of the body? What is the map of the world? And what if there was just one map? So for me, sacred geometry kind of holds a mapping. The color wheel holds a mapping. The musical scale holds a mapping. And um, what we're arriving at is all these maps are coinciding with each other, um, which is for me the key of seven, like that each color holds a psychology, that um, everything blue holds a psychology in the voice or expression, which means that when you say, I can't speak my truth or I'm speaking my truth, it's talking blue, the language of blue. When you go to Maya, people talk colors, you know, oh, I want to... I'm, I'm working in my blue, so could we um, create some orange space uh, or green space in order to go orange and that. It, it sounds crazy, but people know what you're talking about. So for us, it's like a community design. So everything we do is in color. Everything that we feel is in color. Um, but this goes beyond just our eco-village. Like everywhere around the world, people see the same colors. So if you're going to go into hospital systems how, how is there if a hospital is red how is there a rainbow in just the red or if you go to the school it's about curriculums or the syllabus well if you were going to build a curriculum how would there be seven colors there so can you see how fractals work you know like one important book that i think came out in the 1970s was the holographic universe by, I think the last name was Talbot, Michael Talbot, I think. Um, what is a hologram? A hologram is uh, a concept wherein if you take like a really, really small part, you can reconstruct the whole. So if you think about the DNA, 
you take a small part, you can reconstruct the whole. Um, you know, these movies, like these superhero movies or these spiritual movies that come out, um, like Doctor Strange, Inception, Interstellar. Um, Rebecca asked um, in IDS2, like, what does the energy look like to you when you're conducting the process? So like some people can smell the energy, but for those who see it, like, what does it look like? And then for me, I, I told Rebecca, well, for me, it looks like a cartoon. <laughs> it looks pixelated, you know, like when people take psychedelics, they describe it in the same way. Like the, the, the world looks cartoonish. And then when you look at the colors, they seem more vibrant, but it, it, it means that you're seeing it from another dimensionality altogether. Like it's more compressed. It's more compressed. Like you're, it's like everything is embedded into what you're looking at. Like, um, so it, it's holographic in that way. Like a fractal, fractal geometry is kind of like that. Um, so for me, inner dance kind of goes into that as well, either inside or outside the inner dance, everything is co correlated. And I like to think of the, the concept folder, um, like either it's folded up or it's unfolded. Um, David Bohm, who is one of the subjects of the holographic universe, the founder of, of um, quantum physics, um, he described the world as either implicate or explicate order, meaning when you look at um, it from the outside, um, it's, uh, it's all one. It, it's all mashed up like one pool of you, you know, it's like a mess of you, a chaos of you. Um, like everything seems to be mud muddied up. And then when you open your eyes and you go into the world, everything's more unfolded, you know, it's like in time, there's like a chronology or a sequence of events one day at a time. And then again, when you go back inside, either in the inner dance or when you sleep, or when you go into interiority, everything just gets muddled up again. Everything just overlaps with each other and, and there's no boundaries anymore, you know? Like one day isn't just one day, one moment isn't just a moment. It's like an eternity somehow. So um, consciousness finds a way to either unfold or unfold, you know? It's like, so, so going back to these movies like Inception where Time and space, if it expands and you kind of go crazy in that, then um, it, it's like one point is unfolding the other point. So what would that look like to you? And a lot of people have probably had experiences of that, like they, laying down where, where a sign, like a word, a color, uh, a symbol isn't just a, a one thing anymore. You, you kind of go inside. So. I think people have a choice to go through dimensionalities. When you talk about coincidences, if you take something literally, then you kind of get lost because you just travel from one symbol to the next and, and, and you can't really weave them so much together because they, they displace each other on and on and on. It doesn't end. That's what we've been doing for eternity, 
jumping from life to life, word to word, moment to moment, enjoying it. Yet there's something meditating above all these, like some kind of meta map. You know, you can imagine like be, becoming a bird, you know, imagine you're like a dragon, a phoenix or a, a, an eagle flying above and you can see the whole map. Um, unlike if you were on the ground, you couldn't see the whole thing. So, so what is the, the map that allows you to see the whole structure? That, that's like the, the meta. Um, and normally you only arrive at a meta when you've experienced the parts. So for example, if you're exposed to many systems, then you'd be interested in meta systems. But if you haven't really been exposed to many systems, then you need to kind of master several systems before you understand a system of systems. Um, uh, so I, I, I've said some interesting things here. Maybe we could even go into some of the inner dances people have had. Like, what does the world look like when it goes into like whole systems or wholeness or even the whole? <laughs> Um, it, it's there, it's in the inner dance itself. Um, if it's not just this workshop, it, it's actually preparing us to think in this way so that you could be with your boss, you could be with, you know, like an employee, a peer, like a friend or a small kid. It's training, it's training you to understand things as one, but that one thing is also, um, relatable to three parts or seven parts um you know i is this making sense to to you to to, to all of you to nadia to to any of you uh, i think this is where it's headed and this is like the inner dance outside the inner dance um uh wait let me check the list uh kitty are you here you're you you've always been interested in this you've got this physics numbers mind yet you're so intense in the the energy <laughs> you know um, gosh, yeah. could you share something uh, no here's a good question um <laughs> what is it like to be in the mind of kitty <laughs> who goes into <laughs> cosmic yet understands these patterns as well could you share this hmm. uh, can you hear me it's, Hello? Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming in. <laughs> um, hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> what is it like to be in my mind? <laughs> um, so <laughs> right now I'm just thinking about... Um, the seven color map on the Taurus. So, it, you know, um, I'm hearing so much in everything that you've said this morning. Um, and I've written a few notes down, but um, yeah, I guess there's almost a, a bit of a frustration. It's like, I, you know, I can, I can see the patterns in, in everything. But, uh, it's kind of like, what's the, What's the point? What's the, what's the next? <laughs> um, 
Uh, I actually had a dream last night with the number 137 on a signpost. Um, I haven't really been thinking about that number so much since the start of this group when I was also doing a course on uh, the etymology of number, so number as, as a kind of universal language. And um, that number kind of came out as the what's known as the alpha constant, so the a number that uh, kind of comes out of the universe without like it's not like a metres per second or anything, it's just a number. It doesn't have a, a value attached to it. But the number defines uh, the energy level that an atom will either decide to uh, emit a photon or absorb a photon. So it has a huge significance to that kind of boundary between light and dark um, as sort of a mirror number. so that came up in my dream last night. I don't remember too much more. But a lot of what um, you're saying this morning, um, there's a thing like a maths game where um, if you had to do a map of the world and you had to make all the countries touching each other different colours so that they you could tell which country was which, you would need... Um, how many colours would you need so that every country on the map could be represented without having two countries of the same colour touching? And it's you end up with a seven-colour map and those seven colours can also be mapped to a, a toroidal field or like a donut shape mm. and it's known as the, the seven-coloured torus uh, and the way you map those colours is using the, the golden mean spiral, which is the perfect way to compress or, or distribute information. Mm. Um, and, yeah, like, um, so there's a lot of linkages here mm. to colour and the way colour is is maybe just a different angle of looking at things. So the the red might be the way the energy compresses as opposed to the blue might be the, the way energy expands out, but it's just the same same wave viewed from a different angle. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so... 